Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Awesome. All right, cool, guys. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Luke 5 as we'll get into the Word tonight. Oh, uh, y'all gotta bring your Bibles to House Crocs. <laughs> bring your Bibles to House Crocs. Bring your BYOB. Bring your own Bible. Bring your Bible. Awesome. Alrighty. So, alrighty. So, this is something. Uh, it's not very polished, honestly. I just felt like the Lord uh, was just telling me I couldn't get this story just out of my heart in the last, I don't know, week or so. And so I was just kind of asking God about it. And so these are some things. It's less point-driven. It's less, like I said, this is just house family time. So it's more I just want to reveal some things out of this scripture. And it might hit your heart or you might learn something new. But I'm, I'm just hoping it refreshes you is my main goal. And it reconnects you to the Lord, you know. And so, but you'll, you'll notice it's going to be much more low-key and just kind of line by line going through the scripture together, you know. So, awesome. Lord, I ask that during this time you would uh, open your heart to us, God. That's why we're here. That's why we came here, God. Uh, yes, for each other to connect, but that comes second. Our first priority of being here is to connect with you and your heart. We love you. We ask that you would stir a hunger for your word inside of us, God. God, we ask that you would reveal new things to us in the scriptures tonight. We love you, and would the fruit of it just be that we get even closer to you, God. We love you, and we just we give you this time. All God's people said, amen. Okay, awesome. So guys, uh, summer, I was just thinking about summer and even this kind of this, we've been doing something different. We've been taking a break and summer's kind of tends to be a really funky time. And, you know, I see it in youth ministry, but in the college ministry as well. It's this weird time of these kind of polarized, like people go on a mission trip or go to camp and it's just like, rah, Jesus. Like they're more on fire than ever before, right? Like Mexico team, right? That was wild, right? Yeah, right? And then, but then there's also this time of like some go, home or some uh, stop school and they just kind of work and they can be the exact opposite of I feel like I'm kind of in hobo mode during the last, you know, a couple weeks. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> right? And so... Or, or just kind of lackadaisical, like, oh, it's summertime, it's time to rest, you know, and which is good, but sometimes you go too far, we're like, dude, I'm totally just off track with all of my discipline, right? And you can kind of go the other way. So it's this weird time in summer where it's almost like these crazy highs and for some others, like kind of more of a low, you know? And it was just kind of a, an interesting thing to like, you take a break from school or friends or, or you just, things change for a little bit, you know? And, and I guess... I don't know. I, I wanted tonight, wherever, whether it's like your first time kind of coming back to the Lord in a new area or a second time where you just keep coming back, you know, or you just need to worship him in a new way. That was my heart tonight. And so we're in Luke, okay? Luke 5. This is when Jesus first calls his disciples. And I'm just going to read, okay? It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. I want you to remember, Sea of Galilee, okay? Sea of Galilee. Okay, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. 
Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Okay. Uh, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Right? You may have done something like 50 times and you're like, it didn't work. But the minute he says, try again, it's going to work, right? <laughs> and this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their parties in, or partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Wow. When Simon Peter, surprise, this is Peter, the apostle that everyone knows, right? When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man, right? He encounters the supernatural and he becomes aware of his sinfulness, right? And he, and he just says, Oh God, I need you to save me, right? We didn't even know that Jesus right here was going to go to the cross and save. And yet something in him gets activated and says, I need you to save me. You're the only one who can save me, right? Because he encounters the miraculous side of Jesus for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him his partners James and John the sons of Zebedee were also amazed Jesus replied to Simon don't be afraid for now on you will be fishing for people and as soon as they landed they left everything and followed Jesus other translations I love it they say literally Jesus came up to him and said come and follow me and it says and immediately they dropped their nets and followed him they were actually working with their dad. Can you imagine dad sitting there and his two sons are just like, all right, peace, dad. And they just leave, right? Like they, they just dropped everything and said, I have to follow him. Because he said, come and follow me. See, Peter's encounter with Jesus, um, what's crazy is he encounters, he encounters Jesus first, but then he comes to terms immediately with his sin nature. And he's like, I'm a sinful man. Jesus didn't say, hey, you sinner. Jesus didn't condemn him. He didn't do anything. But in the presence of holiness, he just became aware of his darkness. And he said, Jesus, I need you, right? And so, and he says, oh, Jesus, leave me. I'm sinful, right? I don't know about you, but there's times where I'm like, don't look at me. Like, don't look at me, right? You know, like, I'm so messed up, right? And that's like what he does right here, right? And what's amazing is he finds the grace of Jesus. Jesus doesn't, it's like, it's like he doesn't even hear that part. All he responds is, don't be afraid. That it was because out of fear, he was pushing Jesus away. Like, you know, the whole, like, out of fear of being, like, known, out of fear of being, like, he knows me. It's like, you see me! Ah! Leave! Right? He's like, out of, like, fear of being seen, out of fear of connection and the intimacy, he, like, puts a wall up and says, go! (laughs) Like, leave, right? And what's amazing is Jesus doesn't say, you're sinful. But he does say, you're afraid. Right? And fear fear is not a sin, but agreeing with fear, right, creates a sinful life because you start to do all this stuff out of fear, right? And so he finds the grace of Jesus, and Jesus just cuts right through it, doesn't care about the sin, but he does care about the fear because he's love, and he knows perfect love casts out fear. So he says, Don't be afraid. He says, you're afraid, you know, you're afraid you're so sinful, but don't be afraid of that anymore. And he says, I'm a sinner. That's my identity. And what does he do? He immediately changes his identity. And he says, no, 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 no. You're like a fisher of men now. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm afraid and I'm a sinful man, you know? And he's like, don't be afraid. 
you're actually a fisher of men. Like he just changes immediately. No, no, no. This is what's true. This is what's true of your life. Okay. And then he calls him to leave and he leaves and he joins a lifestyle and it's amazing. He leaves everything, right? He leaves his career, right? He leaves what he's been doing. He probably, he, what's amazing is Jesus, it wasn't a crazy moment. Like he, Peter was at work. And then Jesus showed up and changed everything. And he's just like, clock out, I'm done. Right? Like, he was in a normal, he didn't wake up and think, today I want to be a disciple. Today I'm going to become an apostle. So often we're waiting for these giant moments. And sometimes they happen when you've been just faithful at work. Right? Sometimes in the normal is where the supernatural breaks out. Three years go by, Peter leads the way on the team as like the fisherman. Like Peter, his name means like the rock, you know, like Peter. He's constantly the bold one who kind of puts his foot in his mouth because he's just like, he's like pull the trigger first and then aim kind of a guy. And, and like, and, but for three years, he walks as a fisher of man. Like he sees thousands of salvations. He sees thousands of healings. He's like Jesus's right hand man, you know, and it's incredible. But as we all know, there's a moment where this man betrays Jesus. And the man, once again, succumbs to his fear and steps out of his identity of being the bold fisher of men. And he three times says, I don't even know Jesus when he's confronted. When Jesus is dying, going to the cross, when his friend needs him more than anything, Peter, he kind of goes back into who he used to be. And he says, I don't even know him. Once again, like, I'm afraid. So I sever connection and I push him away. Mm-hmm. And I'm not connected to that man. Because and it was fear that did that. It's the same thing before where he was afraid. So he said, please leave. <laughs> right? And he cuts it. And th- three times, he, every time he falls back into that fear and, it, and becoming that sinful man once again. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus dies. And can you imagine the pain of knowing this man who gave everything to me, my best friend, literally the man, like, I believe he's God. He's the savior. He's the only savior. And I left him, right? I I don't know about you, man, but like, I would just, oh, I would just hate myself and I'd hate my life. I'd hate everything. The man who called me out of my sin, called me out of my fear, who said I was to be the fisher of men, I didn't even stand up when he needed me most. And we know the story, luckily. Jesus rose again. That's why we're here. Yay! Right? Yeah, thank you. That deserves an amen. Amen. Yeah! And the moment I want to look at is what happens afterwards. I love this moment. Mary, she goes to the tomb, and an angel is sitting there telling her that Jesus is alive. And this is what the angel says. So um, I'm going to read. It's two different verses kind of showing the same story here. Mark 16, 7. The angel says, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember I said, remember Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. And I love that. She says, make sure Peter knows he's included. Right? Because Peter is like, hey, Jesus wants to see everyone. Peter's going to be like, (laughs) <laughs> I, he doesn't want to see me mm. right and so 
the only one who needs to know his name got called out was the only one who fully denied him, right? So he's like, including, make sure Peter knows to come. Matthew 28, verse 7. Is this the same different side of the same part of the story it says then go quickly tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and behold he's going before you to galilee there you will see him see i have told you so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples and behold jesus met them and said greetings and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him then jesus said to them do not be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to galilee and there they will see me So Galilee was the sea where Jesus first met his disciples, right? Where he first called them. Galilee was the spot where he met Peter, John, James, and said, come, follow me. And he called them out of that normal life into this radical lifestyle of following him. And what's amazing to me is he says, I want to appear to them there where I first met them. Uh, And he says, including Peter. So make sure Peter knows that I want to meet him at the place where we first met, right? Make sure he knows I'm going back to where we first met each other, and that's where I want to meet you again. So in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, Galilee was this name, Kinneroth, and it meant uh, the harp or the lyre, like an instrument of worship. I think it's significant. He found them in the place of worship. And when they fall into sin, he calls them back to the place of worship. And he says, come back to this place. It's not about staying in Jerusalem and doing more work for me. That's not going to, because they need to know they're forgiven. They all left him to die. And they need to know they're okay. Connection needs to be restored before action ever takes place, right? And so he says, I don't need you to go do more things in Jerusalem. I need you to retreat, pull away from Jerusalem, right? Come back to Galilee, to the place of worship, to the place of first encounter, to the place of first love, to the place. Come back to where we first fell in love, where we first met. Come back there. You've had a roller coaster week. You know, on Sunday, it was like Hosanna, Palm Sunday, everyone's coming in. By Friday, he's dead and you've, you, like, you, you denied him. And by Sunday, he's alive. Like you've had a crazy week. You need to come back. You need to retreat, get away, and go back to the place of worship. Go back to the place of first encounter. Go back to the place of first falling in love. And this is what he calls him back to. And then in... In, in Greek, the word Gal- Galilee, the actual word, it, it means a circuit, right? And so I think it's a, he started there and then with Jerusalem and he calls him back to Galilee and then they go back to Jerusalem and then they go back to Galilee. And you're meant to go out and do things for the Lord and come back into intimacy and worship and go out and do things and then go hide in your closet and pray and then go out and go to Mexico <laughs> and then come back and get restored and filled up and then go out to Africa and then come back to Galilee and worship him and first love and encounter and then go out and minister and then come back and get filled up with him. It has to become a regular circuit if you want to be a healthy Christian, you have to go to Jerusalem and pour it all out and then go back to Galilee and worship and encounter your first love again so you can be filled up and go back out. If you just stay in Galilee, you'll never change the world. If you just stay out in Jerusalem, you're going to get burned out and die. Like you have 
to create a circuit of pouring out and getting filled up in intimacy, right? Fisher of men, but then also getting restored. Like you have to, this has to become a regular circuit in your life. And he calls, especially Peter, come back to the place where you first worshiped. Peter, you're struggling with fear. You're struggling with sin. You're struggling with shame once again. I know exactly where we need to talk. The first place I called you out of fear, out of shame, out of sin. Come on. That's where we need to talk. Let's meet in Galilee. We have to create this posture of saying, God, I'm going back to Galilee so I can hear you speak identity over me once again. Because Peter's forgotten who he was. And he's back in fear. And he's back in sin. And the only answer is go back to the first place you met him. And I'm not saying physically. I'm not saying if you met him in Montana, go back to Montana. <laughs> like, but I'm saying in your heart, you have to go back to the posture of waiting and connecting with him and your first love once again. So John 21, this is now they're in Galilee. Later, Jesus appeared once again to a group group of his disciples by Lake Galilee. It happened one day while Peter, Thomas, uh, Nathaniel, Jacob, John, and, and two other disciples were all together. Peter told them, I'm going fishing. And they all replied, we'll go with you. So they went out and fished through the night, but caught nothing. This is important, is... They return, they, it was good that they returned back to the place where they first met him, right? To the place of first worship. But they're supposed to go and then they're supposed to wait for Christ, right? Who knows how long they've been there? Who knows if it's been a day? Who knows if it's been a week? I don't, I don't know. It doesn't say. But apparently long enough to where Peter says, I'm going fishing. Wow. Like, <laughs> enough, like I've waited. I got to go do something. And they go back to the original job they had before they ever met Jesus. And they find out there's a moment where they're sitting on the boat, the same guys again, three years later, right back where they started. (laughs) In the waiting for Jesus, I don't know what happened, but in the waiting for him to come, I don't know if it took too long or they just got real, real hungry or what, but we don't see them really fishing after they first get called out because they're fishers of men now. And this is, then we see them now in the waiting and kind of feeling like they don't know what to do, go back to their old identity of just being fishermen again and not fishing men, but just fishermen. Peter goes back to where he met Jesus. Technically, he did the right thing, but the posture of his heart and his identity and all that was, but I'm just going to go back to what I used to do. Because he wasn't, he was called to go back where he met Jesus, but he was not called to go back to who he was when he met Jesus. Because who he was was this sinner, afraid guy, right? So he says, come back to the place of worship. But don't go back to that old identity I called you out of, right? And he does. He he goes back to both. He goes back fishing, and then the others just say, "Yeah, we're gonna follow." And it's like I'm waiting for Jesus to come. So what can I do? There's almost this level. Of what can I do when Jesus is not here? 
Like, I don't need Jesus just to be a fisherman. Right? I was doing it before he came. I can do it after he leaves. I, I, to be a fisher of men, I need Jesus. I only did that with him by my side for three years. He's gone, though. I can't do it anymore. All I can do is just be a fisherman. And I, I don't know how to walk in what I was walking in at camp on that missions trip Whoa. in that high season with God because he was so tangibly there mm. and I was walking like big bad things, you know, and it was awesome. But now I'm home and I'm back at my job or I'm back in this family or I'm back in Gal- like the region I'm from yeah. wow. and I'm back in the familiar and I don't know how to do what I did out there. Wow. So I'm just going to get comfortable and go back to who I was before I ever even left. Wow. Oh, man. And I see this time and time again where we come back after a life-changing experience and we just kind of like slip back into how things work. We were always meant to come back to Galilee. We weren't meant to change back into who we were. We were meant to be who we were in Jerusalem. It's the same people we were meant to be in, in Galilee. So just because you come home, the people the, you're still meant to be the same person you were in Mexico or at Crux Camp or you name it. We've all had those experiences, right? just in here now, right? Yeah. Don't go back to who you were before, even though you've gone back to where you were before. Wow. In the waiting, rather than returning to a place of worship, he just returns back to a place of work. Yeah. And he goes back. Sorry, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Doc. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, God. And I just see him go back to their old ways of living. None of it, and I see this all the time in my heart and other people's hearts, where they almost become embittered towards what happened, mm-hmm. or, they, or they're good at leaving it as like the glory days. Mm-hmm. And it'll never be as good as it once was, mm-hmm. right? Back when I was closest to Jesus. And it's like, oh man, that's so wrong. He's calling you back to the first place where he first met you so that you can remember your first love and it'll propel you to keep going forward, not get you like forever stuck if you believe the glory days are behind you like that's that's just wrong <laughs> it's just not the bible right the bible says glory to glory to glory to glory right and so don't ever think the glory days are behind you they're only ahead of you but sometimes it's too hard to go back to the place of first love and wait there and so we're just prone to go back to the place of first work And Jesus was just calling them out to Galilee to rest, not to work. Wow. He, didn't, he was calling them away to like be with him, not to try to work again. Verse 4 says, Then at dawn, Jesus was standing there on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was him. Oh, man. Even when you don't recognize it, like he's standing on the shore of your retreat, of your indecision, your job what's cool is he doesn't like go in the water and like pull him out of it but he does stand right there on the shore and he's like hey you're meant to wait for me now i go back to work but they were so busy in what they used to do they didn't recognize him right and so he fall he comes back he he goes right what's cool is he doesn't condemn them he doesn't beat them up he doesn't say i'm angry at you he doesn't say they're in sin he doesn't none of that and so often that's what we think he's going to do but he doesn't do any of that he just waits on the shore till they notice 
And he's waiting on your shores for you to notice. He's not angry. He's not mad. But he's like, I'm going to wait till you notice I'm here. Right? Because he wants that reconnection. He called out to them saying, hey, guys, did you catch any fish? Which is great. He knows the answer is no. He knows, he, knows, he knows they've been working all night. They're exhausted. They're tired. All their striving has gotten them nowhere, right? All their work against, right? Because they're not doing what he's called them to do. When, when, he, when he, oh, man, when, he, when they did what he called them to do, Literally, they couldn't even handle it. There were so many fish, right? Now they're doing, they're doing the same thing, but they weren't called to do it, and they're exhausted. And he's just like, how's that going for you? <laughs> right? And he kind of yells out to them, right? Says, you shouted, throw your nets over the starboard side, and you'll catch some. <laughs> and so they did as he said, and they caught so many fish, they couldn't even pull in the net. Doesn't that miracle sound familiar? The first miracle they ever saw Jesus do was at the Sea of Galilee when he said, throw your nets over. And then Peter said, I'm a sinful man because he saw the miracle. And in the same spot, in the same place, when they go back to being the same fisherman again, he does the same miracle, right? Again, right? And it's, it's, it's a total deja vu of like, this is the same story again, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Throw your nets over the side they, and they couldn't pull it over. This was the miracle of their first love. This is the miracle of their first connection. This is the miracle that brought them to Jesus. And almost to show them it's Jesus again. Verse seven, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. There's only one person who could do this. And I remember when we were in this moment and this happened three years ago at this lake with each other. And when Peter heard him say that, he quickly wrapped his outer garment around him. And because he was athletic, he dove right into the lake to go to Jesus. Peter knows what this means, right? Like this is... This was the miracle that unlocked his heart the first time. And he sees the same miracle and he knows once again, this means Jesus has come back to call me to follow him again. He's not leaving me. He's not angry. He's not mad at me. He came back and found me again, even though I retreated all the way back to like where I was before. And it unlocks his heart a second time. And he says, oh my gosh, I know what this means. I'm going to reconnect with Jesus. And rather than saying, I'm a sinful, horrible man, this is the difference now. He dives in. Rather than saying, I'm so sorry, I'm messed up. I'm this horrible, sinful person. Get away from me. He says, no, no, no. And he dives after him. He chooses connection. He says, I know what connection with you means. And I never want to be disconnected again. Right? Man, stop being afraid of your shame. Stop being afraid of how we messed it up. Stop feeling bad for feeling so distant sometimes. Good. Dive back into what he called you to. Dive back into worship. Dive back into who you are. Dive back into what he said about you. So often we just isolate ourselves on the boat saying, oh man, 
but I'm just so messed up or my past or my regrets or my shame or my blah, 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 right? And we just, right? And I love this way he dives in. Like the boat couldn't get there fast enough. I'm diving in. You gotta get the attitude of I'm diving in. I'm diving in again. I'm restoring connection again. The other disciples then brought the boat to shore, dragging their catch of fish. They weren't far from land, only 100 meters. I love that. It would have taken a few minutes for them to dock because it was only like they weren't far from shore, but he still chose to dive in. Like he just went above and beyond to show his love. Like he didn't even care, right? Oh man. And when they got to shore, they noticed a charcoal fire with some roasted fish and bread. Then Jesus said, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Peter waded into the water and helped pull the net to shore. It was full of many large fish, exactly 153. But even with so many fish, the net was not torn. What I, I love this. It's like, man, now the grace is there to hold it because he called them to do it, right? So it wasn't torn now. Verse 12, come, let's have some breakfast, Jesus said to them. Not one of the disciples need to ask who it was because every one of them knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus came close to them and served them the bread and fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. After they had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, oh man, this is the moment. It's like, we're finally gonna talk about this. Like he singles him out. This is, this is the moment where he says, hey, make sure Peter's coming, including Peter. Like this is that moment. He's like, make, make sure Peter's here. Can you imagine like Peter's like, oh dang, he singled me out. There's something he wants to talk to me about. Like I'm in trouble, right? You know, and this is the moment where Jesus is like, hey, Simon. Yeah, DTR, <laughs> Simon, what are we? You know, like, like he's like, oh dang, right? After they had, okay. He says, Simon, son of Job. I love this. is the passion translation. I love the way it says it. It says, do you burn with love for me more than these? Peter answered, yes, Lord. You know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus repeated his question the second time. Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, yes, my Lord. You know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Then Jesus asked him again, Peter, Son of John. I love that. He, oh, man. So good. Because just Peter's his identity. Son of John means son of the beloved. Like he's just speaking identity over him. Do you have great affection for me? Peter was saddened by being asked the third time and said, my Lord, you know everything. You know that I burn with love for you. And Jesus replied, then feed my lambs. Peter denies Christ. And there's so much more to this. This is just one of the many reasons Jesus does this. There's so many deep things if you look into the word and what it meant. And this is just a tip of the iceberg. But one of the main things is you can see that Peter denied Christ three times. And then Jesus in his mercy gives him the chance now to confess his love three times. You know, he's so merciful. He brought back and he said, hey, Jesus knows Peter's heart. But he lets Peter have a chance to now do the opposite three times and confess his heart, right? I know where you're at, Peter, but just so you know where you're at, I want you to say it three times because you denied me three times. And it's like, it's merciful. It's not like a test. It's not this angry thing. It's not this, well, do you really love me? It's not this get back. You denied me three times. I need to hear three nice things. You need to say it three times, you know? It's like, no, like he, I believe it's the mercy of pe- allowing Peter to get a chance to do what he never could do before. Peter, listen, when you were younger, you made your own choices. 
and you went where you please. But one day when you are old, others will tie you up and escort you where you would not choose to go, and you will spread out your arms. Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death he would die for the glory of God. Peter would be nailed to a cross. That's why he says, you will, you will be taken where you don't want to go and you will spread out your arms. Because Peter died as a martyr by being nailed to a cross. The man who denied Christ, Jesus now speaks over him. You're going to die for me. And what's amazing is, once again, I think that's the mercy of God. Because Peter was the one disciple who said, I will die for you, Jesus. And then he turned and denied him three times. And so now he lets Peter say his love three times. And then he says, and as a gift to you, I'm going to let you die for me. Because that's what you always wanted in the first place. And your love is going to be so great for me that when everyone comes against you, you're not going to deny me this time. And you're actually, he dies on a cross the same way Jesus dies. Peter said, I'm going to die for you. And I think it's a gift that he says, okay, yeah. I love this, and it ends with, he says, and then he said, Peter, follow me. The original thing he said, come and follow me. And he ends it exactly how he began it, of saying, okay, come follow me. In the first place they met, Jesus finds Peter once again, who was a fisherman, he regressed, went back to be a fisherman, and he was afraid, and he was in regret, and he was in his, sh- his like sin. Sorry, I mixed two words there. Almost said curse. <laughs> but he was in his sh- right now. But he was in his sin. I was saying shame and sin, you know. So, but in this place, Jesus performs the same miracle again with the fish. In this place, Jesus comes once again to release forgiveness, once again set him free of his fear, once again release him from his shame, once again speak identity over him, and then affirm his destiny once again, where he said, you'll be a fisherman. He says, and now you'll be a martyr for me. He affirms his destiny once again, and in the same place, he ends it by saying, follow me, Peter. And Peter goes on to never to return back to fishing. And he, he goes on to never deny Christ again, and he goes on to die for Christ. Jesus met him once in his sin and fear and he called him out and it was the start of his ministry. Then even when he fell away from ministry, when he messed it all up, Jesus takes him back to the place, to Galilee, the place of their first love. And he restores Peter back to the identity again. It's amazing that Jesus never brought up the sin the whole time. He just brought up the fear and the lack of identity. And I'm just, con- I'm just convinced, like, I'm convinced that God, a lot of times, he doesn't want to talk to you about your sin. He, he's like, I already covered your sin, but I do want to talk to you about your fear. And I do want to talk to you about your identity. Because if you have a mess of identity and you're living in fear, that's the root that causes you to sin. I already paid for the sin. Don't worry. You're good. Let's talk about the fear. Let's talk about the identity issues. Right? Because both times, those were the things that caused the sin. And so, where do you need to meet Jesus right now over this summer? Where do you need... Is it the first time where maybe it's a, there's a new lie or there's a new pain or there's a new uh, thing happening that you need to bring to him and, and it's bringing up fear or it's bringing up shame or it's bringing up these things, right? And you maybe for the first time need to go to him and hear him say like, hey, like, 
It's, it's sound, this sounds weird, but I just feel like God is sometimes is like, I don't want to talk about your sin. Yep. Like, I already talked about it. I figured yeah. it out. Yep. Like, uh, you beating yourself up is not going to fix it. Like, I already did. Like, let's talk about something that matters, like your fear and your identity. Yeah. You know? Because he, he, already, he, he already cured it on the cross. Like, he already did it, right? And so where maybe for you, you're in a new season where you're stepping into something new and, and the issue, you're thinking the issue is I'm a sinful man and it's causing you to create a wall of disconnected people and with God, right? Because you're like, I'm sinful, my past, so here's a wall, disconnect. And the issue is not clearing up your sin in this season. The issue is knowing and proclaiming your identity and, and getting rid of the fear and love. Letting him love you out of it Letting love flood in and letting your identity be spoken over you. Yeah. That's going to get you to the next step, not worrying about the sin. Or maybe you're at another spot where maybe, you, maybe you've already had breakthrough in this area. And you totally are struggling with the same thing again. Peter had three years of walking next to Jesus and somehow fell back into the exact same issue he started with. And it's okay. We beat ourselves up even worse that time because we're like, I knew better and I still denied it. I still, I, I, it's not even sin that happened to me. I chose this. Like I knew better and I still chose to deny him. I still chose the sin even though I knew better. And we beat ourselves up more than the first time when it happened, right? Because we didn't know back then. Now we knew and we still, we still messed up, right? And, but the answer's the same tonight. The answer is the same thing. Let's not talk about your sin. <laughs> Let's talk about confess your love for me. Let's go back to the place of first connection, first love, first intimacy, first worship. Let's, let's circuit back around to this thing. Let's go back to the original answer. Let's get rid of your fear. Let's speak out your identity. Let's move forward. Follow me again. And I wonder, the first time he said, come and follow me, the second time he just says, follow me, right? Just because the first time, like, Peter did come, and he went after it. And Jesus is like, you are coming after me. Just keep following me. Like, just, just keep it up, right? Don't go back. Wow. And so I don't know if for you it's stage one because there's a new thing happening. I don't know if for you it's stage two because it's, you've already struggled with the same thing. I don't know. I don't know if maybe you're good across the board and this is just a good reminder for you to return to the place of worship and first love. But wherever you're at right now, um, just take a moment, close your eyes. Just realize it's a little past nine. So if you need to go, no worries, you're totally free. But right now, I want you to take a moment Focus on Jesus right now. Focus on his face. Focus on his eyes. Focus on his love. And hear him say right now, his love over you.